Hey everybody, this is Sasha, and today we will continue our conversation with Frater ICL and Bryant Walker of The Golden Dawn about demonic evocations. Hope you enjoy. My question, Frater ICL, is is what's your personal journey? Like, what's your story? You know, you, you said that you were in the Marine Corps and you're an aerospace engineer. Like, how did you yeah. get involved in ceremonial magic, the Hermetic Order, the Golden Dawn, alchemy? Like, like, like how did you come upon this? So one of the things, and this is a good way to preface it, most schools of magic and alchemy do not try to convince people to do it because it usually takes some kind of particular need or motivation like uh, like you couldn't imagine yourself doing anything else in order to, to adequately follow a path like this. They said about acting all the time. They're like, if you don't want to be an actor, like, right. like please don't. Like, nobody wants you yeah. here. If you can live, if you can survive without being an actor, please do so because, yeah. 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 So that's interesting. It's the same thing, mm -hmm. same thing. And so that's, that's one of the reasons too why al uh, alchemists and occultists don't try to go into christian churches and convince them that it's okay you know it's it's actually better for most people not to do it but the the thing is that i was raised um very christian uh but i had since my birth uh for very young age earliest memories experiences of an esoteric nature that had nothing to do with what i was taught about in my religion of my birth and, uh, and some of them did relate, but the, the point was that I was constantly feeling an urge to go in the direction of occultism. And at first it was a very ex strange and even disturbing realization because I was taught that those things were unequivocally and unconditionally evil and only had evil as their end. And so it, it took me a long time to process those experiences of my own self with the things that I had faith in at first. But, but ultimately, what drove me to this path was that inner yearning that didn't have some kind of origin outside of myself. It was, I always knew that I needed to practice occultism and alchemy and things like that. And I was naturally drawn to things in weird ways. Like my, my favorite subject in, in school was chemistry and I couldn't figure out why I was so in love with all of these flasks and chemicals and stuff. And it wasn't until I discovered alchemy that I realized what it was all, what all that urges and, and interests were. I was being spurred inwardly from from my higher self to practice that form of spirituality and it's deeply satisfying to me it fulfills so many things that i didn't understand in my youth and explains it very clearly to me as well right so 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 there was always this inner drive that it was inexplicable oh, yeah. it was just always inside of you but like where did you like how did you first get involved like, like did you just buy a book and start reading about it and then meet some friends at the bookstore like like, like how, oh, very how, how does someone how secretively does, and guiltily right right yeah yeah like oh completely without telling my parents yeah absolutely. It's, it's, <laughs> like, it's like how do people how do people get involved with this aside from just just buying books and aside from being right. great at organic chemistry which yeah. is insane to me like that's the one thing i just had to cheat my entire high school. Absolutely, yeah. It was uh, like my first experience of magic was like I, I have a, a heritage genetically to Nordic cultures. And so uh, there was a brief period when I was a teenager where it's like, well, I'll just explore something culturally magical and pagan like, uh, like runes. And so I got a book on runes. I didn't 
at all. This was my late teen years, so I was able to drive myself down to a, a esoteric bookstore far away. <laughs> And, and hide all this from my parents. And, and I would, I'd read this book on runes, and I made my own runes by hand. And, and, and my very first proof was trying to perform divination with these runes. And it, it, to my criteria, the predictions all came out true. And I was, like, shocked at that. That was a very deeply uh, incredible moment for me. It's like, holy cow, this stuff works. You know, I predicted this, and and so that that was a very early childlike experience of 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 occultism. And then I bought a book by Israel Regardier called *The Golden Dawn*, and that explains a lot of the very. It has papers and descriptions of rituals and theories in it, very, almost like an encyclopedia of that system's form of magic. And I picked that up from the same bookstore, and I fell in love with it immediately. And uh, and would try to make a deal. I would go. It's like Jesus. I promise. I'm just gonna do this banishing ritual. That's all I'm going to do. I promise. It's like I'm not gonna do anything else. It's it's just banishing evil stuff, right? It can't be a sin. And uh, and then I started practicing this this ri banishing ritual out of this book on a on a daily basis. And and I and that just became. Like, it opened the floodgates. I just started buying books and reading. What did it look like? I, in a couple of words. Yeah, the banishing rituals. Just so, like, you know, early we on. We can do one for you. Yeah, what was <laughs> well, 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 just because it's a podcast, like, like, can, like, can you describe, like, what sure. what you do in a banishing ritual, right? So, I mean, the, the one I'm talking about is called the Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram. And it's important to note that uh, many of your audience might think that the the pentagram is a, uh, a symbol of Satan. Uh, it's not. It's never has been, in fact. That's been a misinterpretation throughout all the people who've ever said that or believed that. You heard it here first. Yeah. yeah. It was, it, the, the, the pentagram was, uh, in fact, it's quite the opposite. Christian magicians in the Renaissance area era used the pentagram as a symbol of Jesus, believe it or not. Which, and that's the only way that they believed it was able to control demons was because it was a, 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 an image of the name of Christ where, where they took five letters, the four letters of the Tetragrammaton or the name of Jehovah, and then put the letter Shin in the middle of it. And, and so the Golden Dawn still teaches that. It's not the correct spelling in Hebrew of the name of Jesus, but it, it, it kind of works out. It, you can pronounce it that way if you want to. And so, yeah, Yeheshua. And so, the the and the Golden Dawn still teaches that correspondence. Each of the points of the pentagram being related to a different letter of the name of God, and the letter that adds to it to make it the letter of Christ, the name of Christ. And so, what you do is you trace with your hand uh, the pentagram in the air in each of the four quadrants. The starting in the east, the place of the rising of the sun, hence Golden Dawn. Right. Um, then to the south and the, the west and the north in a clockwise fashion, the, the direction of the sun. And in each quadrant, after you trace this pentagram in the air, you, you make a sign where you're projecting energy into the middle of it while intoning uh, or vibrating a name of God. Um, and, and so since you're not supposed to pronounce the name of God uh, 
directly unless the 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 yud he vav he you'll actually vibrate this is all hebrew yeah yeah yeah. this because the golden dawn is in its core an egypto jewish kabbalah with with christian elements as well um so it's a mixture of of jewish kabbalah christian rosicrucianism and uh, egyptian paganism sounds like a really weird mix but when you get into it it all makes sense um but you vibrate or intone these names in each of these directions and it charges those pentagrams in what's called the astral plane, you know, which is the, the, the plane of existence right next to, but, and very related to our material universe, but you only access it normally through dreams and out of body experiences. But, um, you, you do that. And, and this act along with a couple other parts, where you're, you're, you're intoning the names of certain archangels uh, that relate to the four elements and so forth. You, you surround yourself with this, this divinely invoked power of protection that holds at bay uh, any kind of negative energies or forces that could come into your personal space. And this is a, a preparatory work, you know, people who join the Golden Dawn initially. It's like cleaning out your laboratory. Yeah. It really is. And I've, I feel like it's really a palpable feeling. Oh, it's, like, yeah. I've oh, fallen after, off the path a bit, and any time I go and pick it back up, I was like, my God. like Yeah, how, how insanely it works. Yeah. It really uh, but, is. I mean, you could ascribe it to a, a form of self-hypnosis. But, again, from an inner outer reality union perspective that doesn't make a difference really you know whether it's it's just hypnotizing yourself to to believe that you're clearing out yourself well it has the effect of doing it either way whether it's a real magical energy or it's or it's a, a way to act the placebo effect even even if that's the yeah. case it still works right and it's and it's a lovely you get the art results you want yeah yeah what, it, what does it matter yeah and it's but what what shows you it's a little bit more than a placebo effect is that when you do these kinds of magical arts especially the more advanced ones in later grades, um, stuff outside of you that you have no way to control or influence changes. You know, other people's behavior, other events. Suddenly you get, you know, uh, contacted by an old friend that you were, you know, that, that has an answer for you on something. It's, it, you know, there, there are all these kinds of things which, you know, synchronicities that happen on a regular basis after doing this magic. That eventually proved to you it's a little bit more than just a, a placebo. Yeah, effect, and and and, and, can, and just while we're on that subject, can you talk about like like I mean that that seems like a great bridge to go into the whole demonic evocation uh, uh, t- topic, right? Because because yeah. I mean, gee, thanks, Brian. Because, because, well, well, let's, because air, let's air my dirty laundry now. Well, well I, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to us and it's fascinating to the listener to How hear. How can it not be? You know, because because yeah. we get the the banishing of the of the pentagram ritual and how how sure. how. how any ritual can either be real, quote unquote, or it can be a placebo effect that you've hypnotized right. yourself and convinced yourself. But like, but so can you can you speak of like some times when, when well, first of all, describe what de- demonic evocation actually is. And then if you can give us some stories from the from the field, <laughs> j- just so, why don't we talk about the angelic stuff? Instead? Yeah, or, 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 or a- any evocation. Well, I mean, the demon stories are awesome. I, gotta, I know that the, the, the demonic ones Whatever are more you feel comfortable with. But hey, demonic yeah. Yeah. I say like, is more interesting. <laughs> Yeah, like define a demon. Why would you evoke a demon? It was the difference between evocation <laughs> oh, and well, invocation. Yes. Like, what was the purpose? What What is a demon? Yeah, I sensory mean, experiences. What did you see? What did they say? 
the thing is that most of my best uh, stories that prove to me that magic is real were the more negative ones, which is sad. Uh, the, the truth is that those are the most physical, most uh, crazy ones. And, you know, the, the more positive ones were more beautiful um, and tended to be more explainable. But the, the, the dirty ones tended to be where the, you know, wow, there's no way you can explain that any other way. Um, and the, and they have the most, the greatest impact on, on teaching me certain lessons of now, you know, why you don't do that, you know, <laughs> it's like, but, uh, so the, the reason I call it dirty laundry is because a lot of the times where I was doing something that in, involved a demon, it was a mistake, uh, a, a manifestation of my own, uh, p personal problems that I was going through at that time that I was trying to resolve, or it was, um, you know, a, a moment of temptation and bad behavior, right? They're, they're not recommended things to do. But when you spend all, basically your entire adult life from 18 years old practicing magic, and I'm, I'm 46 now, like, um, there's bound to be moments that aren't your best, right? Where you've where, you, where he's like, I gotta try this because, geez, I'm really curious about this grimoire, you know? Or, or you know, you're, you're feeling like you're going through some kind of crisis and he's like, wow, you know, I really want to see if I can use this guy to give me a relationship because I'm feeling really lonely right now. And, you know, it's there are going to be moments where you make mistakes like that. And and then you get your pee-pee metaphorically slapped and sometimes literally. <laughs> and uh, you learn, don't do that. That's that's why the advice is avoid yeah, that. Yeah, so, so so tell us a story. So what's an instance of, of something like that happening? Yeah, I don't yeah. want to, like, jog his memory from all the stuff that's come up anecdotally when we talk. <laughs> but this is good stuff, like cloven hooves running around the room, blowing the candles out. Oh, yeah, well, oh, well, yeah, that's yeah. that one I didn't evoke. That was the the woman I was with at the time. I we were having a lot of trouble. We weren't very well compatible, but um, we were having a lot of fights, and we went to bed with our anger. We let the sun set on our anger. Now I know why you don't do that. Um, and I had been in very active practice of out of astral projection and and uh, in invoking work and. Some t were about the middle of the night. I I just found myself like halfway in and halfway out of my body, and in a weird way, which is not supposed to happen unless you're doing something wrong. And and yeah, while I was stuck there, unable to move or speak, uh, in what might be considered a type of sleep paralysis, this 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 you know thing started running around the room, you know, making little pitter patter sounds as it was just running back and forth from one end of the bed to the other and then ran right up to my my ear and was like and then spoke my name in this really guttural demonic voice and that that just you know it shocked me so heavily i just immediately went back into my body and you know especially the the, the appearance of the thing and it was you know the if you know about astral uh projection and out of body experiences you can know how incredibly tangible and real those are it's not like a dream it's like you're you're like your waking consciousness in a spirit form and it's it's uh that's that's what you're talking about there yeah yeah that particular instance but there's 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 definitely more interesting ones where i i chose a blind spirit um that's associated with 
uh, you know, relationships, let's say. Uh, it's uh, a, a, a particular demon. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and I, and I was like, I'm going to try this cause you know, and this was, this was one of those times when you're having a crisis in life and, and it's like, well, let's, let's, you know, you know, darn it. I'm just going to do something about this. And even if it's an ill-advised act, which it was. And, um, and it, this beautiful, like I started evoking this demon, right. And, had the sigil on my altar and did all the works and made a triangle of evocation and, you know, put all the requisite incense in there and, and did all the intonations and, and invocations as prescribed in this grimoire. And I, the funny thing was, I never actually saw the being with my physical eyes, but I sure heard his voice and, uh, and got my request out there and within a week just like it said i was in contact with this extraordinarily beautiful and insane woman and definitely outside of my league and we had a fight as was going to happen because she was crazy and we were uh, and and volatile and so um that taught me i immediately all I felt was like, holy cow, I'm, I'm so bad. I'm an evil person. And I had nothing but compassion for her and the pain she was going through. And the relationship didn't last much longer than that. And I learned a very powerful lesson there that, you know, even though I didn't name her in the, at the outset, if you do that kind of magic, you get very quick results. You get very, very, um, you, you know, poignant ones. But you end up hurting people and you end up soiling your own soul, and you set yourself back for a while, and you have to pay some penance, hmm. some real penance for a while, uh, to make a, make amends for that. And um, so that was that was a, a really important lesson, and it, and I learned a lot from it. But you know, it's when you do magic seriously, and you do it for selfish purposes, you can and do hurt other people. So that's why the more spiritual enlightened aspects are really the only, in my opinion, legitimate ways to practice that art. Because otherwise, you, you, you can interfere with other people's lives in, in inappropriate ways. You know, and, you know, that's putting it mildly. Yeah, Ryan was talking about his one of his experiences with, with the kind of shadow entity. And, and it seemed, maybe I'm mistaken, but it seemed like this entity, or whatever you want to call it, like kind of came to him unprovoked. Is, is that true, Briar? Or, or do you feel like you you invited this yeah, thing I to mean, you? Yeah, I mean, the story was is like I woke up to it. The first time I consciously noticed it was in um, when my band was on tour in Milwaukee. And I woke up to it in a hotel room and had this terrifying experience screaming and then forgot about it for years until I got back in the Golden Dawn. And then I wake up to it again, have this experience, and it scared me so bad. I went to Fred or ICL about it. And his first instinct was, oh, it's probably a blind spirit. You should bind it to you. And yeah, that's my question for you. Like, like, was the whole bind it to you thing? Like, like, like maybe Frater ICL can explain, like, like, why does something like that happen? And what's a blind spirit? Why does a blind spirit just come in contact with you? And why would you want to bind it to you? A blind spirit is a technical term that I don't know if it has much truck outside of Golden Dawn in, perspective, in particular, but... 
in the GD, it, it refers to a, a spirit that is neither good nor bad. It just does whatever you tell it to. Like a person. Yeah. Well, or it's, it's, it's like a force of physics. Yeah, you it know, has it's, its like own a, agenda, kind of. Like, well, it doesn't even have that. I mean, it's uh, literally uh, open Like a to, virus. Yeah, it just does what it does. Yeah, you can, you can take a piece of metal and put it with a gunpowder behind it and shoot someone in the head with it. Or you can make a scalpel out of it and do surgery and heal someone with it. So it's the blind spirit is is a malleable force that has a consciousness, but has absolutely no morality, good or bad. It's completely amoral, and will will literally do whatever you want. Um, but it's kind of like the genie that will do exactly as you state it. It won't try to to find a, 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 an interpretation in your request that is elevated or not. It just gets you results quickly exactly as you asked for it. And, and therefore, for most people, it is absolutely the wrong thing to, to work with. Because, you know, like, like all the stories of asking for wishes from a genie, the, the, those stories of, are, are very much like working with blind spirits. It's, There's just no right way to put... A request to genie, yeah. you're gonna mess it up. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's and I think the the moral of the stories of those genies come from practicing occultists that encountered who did exactly the sort of thing I did, looking for a relationship and ended up finding a dysfunctional experience for myself and for someone else. I feel that of, way anytime yeah. I've done kind of shortcut magic yeah. or. Like, especially sigil chaos magic stuff. You get exactly what you ask for, but it's never the way that yeah, and you think and it's going to come. It comes to you, but never in the way that you think. And then you always feel shortchanged and, in some way. Yeah, and, the, and the part of it is because you are having this force reflect your own dysfunctional consciousness at that moment. You know, I was feeling lonely. I was not doing the work on myself necessary to attract and find the right kind of woman. I just wanted a relationship now. And and I was in a dysfunctional state. So what I got was my dysfunction projected outwardly <laughs> of me in the form of this other person. Yeah. And, and, and so the right way to go about it would have been if I really wanted to use magic to help me find a relationship, what I should have done and is is use higher angels to help illuminate my understanding of what I'm doing that's holding me back from that. And and what's what's causing my dysfunctionalities in relationships in general. And then heal that and as a natural organic result of that self-improvement and realization, the right relationship materializes. So anytime a human is requesting something, right, from right. a spirit, it's already has this functional element attached to it, right? Because you are sure. going for it in a deciding that you know what's good for you, right? Like, right. Who are you to decide what's good for you? Right. Instead of seeking understanding, you're telling the universe. Yeah, you right? got to understand the fact of like why you can't get a girlfriend or why you want a girlfriend. Right. And then if you can look into that, what's going on with there, then you yeah. can make a more informed choice about how to do your magic rather than saying, oh, I just know I need a mag I, I need a girlfriend yeah. or I need a million dollars. So you're reaching for it, the act of reaching as opposed to act of receiving, right? Preparing for reception, like that's the difference. Or understand it, it's understanding. Yeah, it comes Why to do I want a girlfriend? Yeah. Why do I want a million dollars? 
Right. What am I really missing inside me? What's the hole that I'm trying to fill with another person? And then it becomes yeah. the beware of what do you wish for, right? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, the fact is the negativity of that. Exp- it's like if you're going to do this magic, you're going to come out with a realization one way or the other. It's either going to be because your higher part of you had the opportunity to teach you in an enlightened way, or it's going to come out as a big smack you know, that's going to hurt and it's going to sting for a while. That So you can ask for those lessons through pain or through, through teaching. Um, and either way, you're going to learn. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a much more painful way to learn the lesson the way I learned it in that moment than it would have been if I had conducted myself properly with my magic. Is there any instance of like, of like, like interacting, evoking demon or an angel that, that you like, like, like a, like a personal experience that you can refer to that doesn't necessarily have such a dramatic consequence or, or, or has a kind of a, like an innocuous, like a, like, is there ever an instance where there's an interaction with another being and it doesn't result mm-hmm. in some positive or negative thing? It just, it just, it, it just happens. And, and you're, well, so there's definitely, um, extremely positive experiences too. The more fun ones are the negative where you make mistakes as you will as you're studying out of body experiences. And like there was one time where I, uh, uh, I was first learning astral, uh, uh, astral projection and I had some of my first early um, successes with it. And I was walking around, this was in college, I was walking around my college room out of my body and just freaking out with joy that I was able to do this finally. And uh, and then I run into, um, well, basically in my, in my room, I'm looking at my uh, window, and I'm in the third floor of my dormitory, and this, this guy with a really bright yellow shirt and a weird face just climbs right through my window and sits down in my chair. And I'm like, well, I'm on the third floor, so I'm not seeing a physical person climb through my window. That's a spirit. And so I get all full of my cookies, and I think I'm just going to tell this spirit to leave. You know, because I was uh, just, you know, I was just wanting to be by myself enjoying the experience. And this felt like an intrusion. And so the spirit just sits there and, and doesn't respond to me, just sits there and looks at me. And so I grab it by the shoulders and I'm about to toss it out the window when instead it, it grabs me by the throat, throws me right back down onto my body, takes its finger and stabs it right into my thigh. It's just absolute excruciating white hot pain. And it forces me back out of the state of astral projection into full waking consciousness, yelling in pain. And I, I, I couldn't walk properly for days. You, you call it that a positive experience? No, 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 I'm, I'm just talking about ex- more crazy experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, no, more more okay. good stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a more positive one. For a while, we, you know, back in, in this adept house we had back in the, the 90s, um, there, were, there were many people who were living together kind of like spiritual, like, like magical monks. Um, we, we would get together periodically and do these big spiritual, magical invocations and stuff. And, and, and a, a lot of crazy, miraculous things would happen from time to time. And one of them was, uh, for a while there, we were really working hard to understand and invoke uh, the Holy Shekinah, which is like the goddess idea in the Kabbalah. 
And and so we sat so, around, which is Jewish mysticism. Yeah, for, yeah. For those who don't know what the Kabbalah is, I'm sure it's like most the people do. Female aspect of God, which right. it's funny. It gets like that's another thing to talk about. It gets kind of pushed out, but there was yeah. in Judeo mythology and stuff. There was a female kind of sure. force that was just as yeah. important as the masculine right. God force. So yeah, so this was a pretty elevated experience. We were we were doing this experiment where we were doing this invocation in a circle. Um, around the altar and we turned off all the lights and put out all the candles um, and just stared towards the center of the 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 temple right above where the, the altar was and we put this this uh, you know white triangle in the middle of the altar and we started doing this this intonation this um, you know this chant and vibrating it and you know using this other tool of ours you know to, to help, you know, channel the energies and, you know, all devoted around the holy Shekinah. And this process last, you know, it lasted for a while, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like hours and hours. It was probably like 20, 30 minutes. And I started seeing, you know, in the right above the central altar, this, this blue light that started rotating around and around and around, uh, yeah, and it was like I was seeing it with my, you know, physical eyes. I was not in an astral state or anything like that. And I, I leaned over to the the brother beside me, and I and I said, "What is it that you see?" And it's like, it's like this blue rotating light, right? I was like, "Oh my god, it's not just in my head," you know. And uh, and then you know, we I after I calmed myself, I put myself back into the work, and we continued chanting and 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 contemplating this light. And it was an extremely elevating experience. It was um, really touched uh, and gained a, a, a new wordless understanding about the nature of the Shekinah, about the feminine side of, of God. You know, and that was, a, that was a big moment for me because I was pretty young as an adept at the time and was still doing a lot of learning and still very focused on a male patriarchal God. So I was trying to discover this goddess concept more thoroughly. And so that was a big deal for me spiritually in my growth of understanding that was coupled with a, a physical experience, you know, mm. that wasn't, wasn't, didn't come from, you know, being in another state of consciousness. Yeah, yeah. No, know. very interesting. Brian, are there any other but, stories but I, that we're... we're <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah but, but, I'd love to go to him be, into like... Be, I feel like there's oh, like a little bit of facilitation, yeah, facilitation well, going Some on of the things I'm not entirely sure I'm allowed, or it's not a matter of being allowed. It's I don't know how much is appropriate to talk about when other people are involved, especially because... You know, they, they have their rights to privacy as well. And we're not naming um, any names. <laughs> well, it's not like they, some people couldn't figure out who some of the people are, though, with enough information. Right, that's right, once right. you get you millions know, like, of listeners. That's when you're Joe Rogan. So <laughs> we're counting on it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, like before we close things out, like is, is there anything that like that you want to, you know, relate any kind of stories you want to discuss that 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 that, that we haven't hit on yet because i mean because everything we've been talking about is very fascinating and interesting so i, I just yeah. i i'd feel it feel uh like a mistake if we walked away without saying like uh, any any other uh greatest hits that you want to throw at us gosh um there's a lot of stuff that happened normally though where they get kind of drudged up from the back of this you know, dusty file cabinet called my brain is when there a specific question gets asked by a student 
Uh, and then I have like uh, an example. We have a student of, right here. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I think I told him the story. One that I liked is when. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, tell me what the is he taking on uh, the set God form? Oh Jesus, that's a be- oh come on. That's a- <laughs> uh, All right, yeah. that, and that was that was not for any kind of nefarious purposes. We were doing um, a mystery play for other uh, order initiates, um, where a bunch of us t- took on one one of the aspects that you see in Hermetic magic that is similar to like Tibetan Buddhism is this concept of taking on God forms where you invoke um, a, usually an Egyptian God form in, in the Golden Dawn system uh, and, and you, you cover yourself in that deity, the form of it, of it, the colors of it, its name, and then you allow that, um, that force to essentially be expressed through you. And we, we did this, uh, normally you do that in order to, to imbue yourself with the energies of a higher archetype to uplift and spiritually purify yourself um, or to develop certain spiritual gifts. But um, in the case of what we were doing, we thought we would, we would perform a kind of old school Greco-Roman Egyptian mystery play where we would act out the mysteries of Osiris, who was the Christ figure in Egyptian paganism. And the guy who played the, the bad guy, the villain, was called Set. And he's the one that chopped up Osiris's body and hid the fragments around Egypt. And, and Isis and her two sisters uh, transformed into these birds that went around and collected those pieces. And then Isis learned the magic from Thoth to resurrect her husband, uh, Osiris. And so we, we acted out this play. And I was the lucky one chosen to act out the, the villain uh, set. And so I, uh, the thing was, again, I was pretty young. So, you know, I, um, I, I probably overdid the invocation a little and uh, really started feeling the power of set flowing through me, like the dark side of the force, you know, <laughs> really took over. And uh, Talk about was method point- acting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't. Well, it is kind of like method acting. I mean, so Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, I understood. Yeah, what Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix went through in there, because uh, I, I I could see it in their eyes. They were it's doing something like that. Archetype. Yeah. yeah. And um, so there was this moment where the one the adept imbued with Isis, uh, or no, no, not that one. A different adept who was the one who banished me out of the presence so that I could, so they could perform the resurrection. Um, and I just fell, found myself falling onto my belly and slithering at a rapid pace, like really fast, like a snake across the temple and out the back in the West. And to me, it felt like a completely normal movement, but everyone else like was shocked out of their minds because because I literally flew across the room on my belly, which shouldn't have been physically possible. <laughs> and uh, and it, it was, um, and then afterwards, of course, I got, after I, I, uh, the, the rite was completed, I got violently ill and uh, puked my guts out for f- several hours, like, uh, which I felt was a kind of 
psychosomatic reaction to like releasing that negative energy. All right. Yeah, and <laughs> and, 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 now, and you mentioned that like that was invoking. So is that the main difference that you were when you invoke? Are you bringing that entity into yourself and evoking is is like having it manifest outside yourself? Is is that the the difference or? That's a- that's a common way a lot of people define it. I mean, it's kind of like certain terms don't always get well-defined in the esoteric community. So you have a lot of people arguing over the exact definition. That is a definition that's been floated out of there, out there. The, you know, but there are others to define. Like what? In the end, uh, well, there's, there's some people, gosh, you know, I mean. How would you define invocation yeah, and yeah. evocation? Right, right. I mean, certainly there's the the idea of internal versus external, or it's, you know, like... Like, you typically wouldn't want to bring, like, a demonic consciousness into your own... No, that would be ill-advised. Right. So, of course, I did that. You would bring it outside into (laughs) the red triangle. Yeah. Yeah, and and control it there, and that that's a common way to define evocation is is that you you bring it to a presence before you, but outside of yourself, outside of your circle, usually in a controlled space like a triangle of manifestation, and whereas invocation would be something you want part of your your personal space and your astral body, and that would be a higher enlightened force. You know? Right. So 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 I mean, is there any time when you'd want to invoke? Like I mean, you just described you invoking set into yourself but like 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 is there is there it doesn't seem to me that there'd be any good reason to invoke like a demonic entity like right i mean you're asking for that was probably the only one that was probably the only example let me me finish this point like the is is if you were doing it for the purpose of some higher good like acting out a divine uh, magical rite intended to express spiritual principles to those who are learning them, then then you know there's a there's a role for the dark forces to play in that right. right? Because, you know, you learn from the bad as well as the good. And so you can't put on a mystery play unless someone plays the devil's advocate, right? So uh, I think that if if you have a specific reason mechanical reason why it fits in an overall working for one or more people to to play that role then then yeah then to complete the act right but uh, the the fact is that generally in your private practice you're not going to be taking on the god form of set right if if you're part of the golden dawn i mean i'm sure satanists would have no problem with that but i think you told me at one time that it's beneficial like there's there's certain demon like if you're working in the the goetia or whatever you want to call goetic demons there's certain demons that can teach you things about the world because they've been around they're not you're not necessarily learning about the world you're learning about your dysfunctions okay again most everything in magic is about personal growth right that's that's for a good cause that is and so um so yes you will evoke goetic demons for the purpose of understanding your dysfunctions you generally don't bring them inside you though yeah that's but they can teach things that maybe other things cannot teach oh that's right Uh, yeah useful but well because there's a reason to work with them oh yeah it's generally the reason why i was picked to do that set role in that play was because the other adept, I felt I could handle it. You know, that I had a, a disposition and a level of experience such that I could handle that energy without it being um, totally detrimental. Right. Yeah. And and so the, the point is that, de- you know, demonic work is usually not taught until very high grades, like, you know, higher adept grades, because 
by then you're expected to have the competence to handle that in a productive way. Right. Yeah. Wow. But still, that doesn't always the case. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything you'd like to say, either of you, uh, to people who might be interested in the occult or alchemy and they just don't really know what it's like how to find a mentor or yeah, where to start yeah. like, like, like I mean, how do you I'll, get how do you get into it i i feel like if like you're really called to it like you're gonna find it like the That's the teacher will appear yeah i mean I, and it didn't for me i was like really wanted it for so long and, and then the teacher happened. didn't yeah. appear until when the it, student is ready it, the yeah. teacher will appear exactly that is a very true statement and one of a very early proof of how uh you know this sort of thing happens when i started getting into the golden dawn back in the 80s the well no the early 90s um i i thought the golden dawn was extinct um i i thought it was only available in books and i was going to have to teach myself of course this was an era before the internet so um, nowadays, you can do a Google search and find someone willing to teach you, honestly. But um, back then, th there was no recourse. If you wanted to find something, there was nothing you could do to go find it, really, unless you were lucky. And so what I did convince that this was my only path to practicing the art is I asked my college roommate if I could have a few hours alone and set up my own temple for the first time in my in my college dorm room and performed the neophyte initiation of the Golden Dawn upon myself, imagining the various officers and their speeches. It was only days after that that I was tooling around on, on my college computer and found a, a reference to the Golden Dawn order that I eventually joined. Uh, it really odd because I was going to school in New York and this order was headquartered in Los Angeles. And so, um, really, really unbelievable uh, find there. But the truth is that, you know, when you kind of declare your intent to your higher genius, I want to learn this, you're going to find the place you belong. And that's the you difference know, that's, from asking to get a girlfriend or something yeah, like exactly. for you're, personal you're gain when you're communicating more through your shadow. Exactly. Exactly. If you're doing magic because... You feel powerless in life, and everybody does. Everybody is going to feel powerless, no matter how spiritually you know focused you may be in general. You're going to have moments where you feel powerless and want a quick solution to your pain, and and those are temptations that you you do your best to avoid. But the fact is that those kind of lower level needs don't end up in a positive place for anybody um in, in my experience but if you put out there your intent to grow spiritually to to exemplify you know, your desire to become something greater something more than human then you know the the powers that kind of work beyond reality what what one per teacher used to tell call higher intelligences they're going to take notice of that because it's in their interest to have more people seeking higher wisdom. And so they, they'll, they'll take notice of that and give you an, the, the opportunities at, to test yourself, to see if you're serious about it, to see if you're going to actually do something valuable with it. And, you know, you don't get excommunicated, so to speak, if you make a mistake, as long as that mistake is responded to 
with real change in your behavior. And, and so it's like, you know, there, the, the experience is that in my experience is that, uh, if you, if you seek, ye shall find, if you knock, the door will be opened. If you ask, you shall receive. And if you, you know? jump, the net will appear. <laughs> Let's hope. One can only hope. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. What a wonderful note yeah. to end on. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I yeah. Th thanks. It was it was great to meet you. And I am uh, assuming your answer is going to be no. But is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I don't have anything to plug. Except no, check I, out the Golden I, Dawn. <laughs> well, the Hermetic I mean, Order yeah, of the Golden Dawn, not the it's, not it's, the neo-Nazi organization. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I would never, I would never try to to guide someone to a path that that. I mean, when they may belong in a different one, right? So uh, I don't seek to convert people to the wisdom of the Golden Dawn, but those who do want to learn it, there are places to learn it. All right, great. <laughs> well, thank you both so much. Yeah. And we love you, Brian. Thank you so much for doing this. God bless. Thank you, Elizabeth Solis, for artwork. Thank you, Andrew Hayworth, for music. And thank you for listening.